Well, it's Tuesday. Time for travel with Moncon McGann. Last week, in an extraordinary dissertation, Moncon talked about the 12 great Irish lighthouses, some of which now uh, offer a place to stay. Quite extraordinary, really. So... Uh, hardly sublime to ridiculous, but certainly to a city that many people call uh, their favourite place to go. It is, of course, Edinburgh, Moncon. Mm-hmm, exactly. Very interesting choice. Yeah, like it, I, I wouldn't. Fodder's guides say that after, if you're visiting the UK, the, like after London, it's the second best place to go. Lonely Planet go even further by saying that if you're visiting Europe, that after Barcelona, Edinburgh is their favourite city. And it'd be hard to argue, you know, against either of those. I mean, they're not ridiculous claims, is, is what I'm saying. Edinburgh is very special. Well, now, let me tell you how just how special yes. for generations of Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, they, every two years, they would have decamped on Thursday or Friday, uh, filled the Aer Lingus planes to Edinburgh for the Ireland-Scotland game. Every uh-huh. two years. And at that point, although I think it may well have been surpassed with the arrival of Rome into the Six Nations mm. Championship, mm. Edinburgh was the favourite location. Well, look what I've done, Jerry. George, poor Jerry Ryan. George, um, in preparation for this, I've actually looked up the name of the rugby stadium and the football stadium <laughs> in Edinburgh. So wait there, I'm ready for it. I have to find it in my notes. M- Murray Fields and then Meadowbank. Am I right? Yeah, well, See? Murrayfield, of course, is the rugby. Meadowbank presumably is Hearts or Hibernian or something like that, yes, uh, who are the Edinburgh no, clubs maybe, because yes. Celtic and Rangers are the Glasgow clubs. But um, <laughs> it, it it had a lot for all ages, mm-hmm. Edinburgh. So where do you start? You start well, in the castle, do you? Yeah, because since we're in August, we, we still have only about four, three or four or five days left of the festival. Like, you know, August is the month where it becomes alive in every form in theatre and music exactly which is now a festival the Fringe Festival Alternative Theatre the main theatre the main film festival the TV festival and then also the Tattoo so you know today's Tuesday it runs until Saturday um, there'll be the, the, the military Tattoo so I mean yeah, don't go now. There's hordes in there now. If you at some point in your life try and get to Edinburgh in August, because the part it's a party town, but it's chaotic. But what I want to do is just like a beginner's primer. If this is your first trip to Edinburgh, what you need to see, ideally go off season. It'll cost you a fraction of the cost. Like in, if you go in September, you're going to get a Ryanair flight for about thirty euros return. Aer Lingus will get you there for sixty five euros return. So it's not going to cost you money. Whereas if you go now in August, you know yeah, sky high. Yeah. So what I want you to see is. Well, particularly if you do go in summer, the best way to avoid the tourists is to go to the museums. And when we were in Washington, when we covered Washington, we said the same, go to the museums. When you find a rich empire, they're going to have the you know a major capital or a major sort of glorious city, jewel in a, of, a, of a rich city, you're going to have amazing museums. And they do. Um, so all along this, the Royal Mile, which is this str- long road, has actually changes its name in different ways, between Edinburgh Castle and then Holyrood Palace, which is the home of Queen Elizabeth when she's in Scotland. But there there used to be, God, I'm going back a long way, Mm -hmm. there used to be two hotels at the opposite ends of the street. Mm -hmm. One, I remember, was the Caledonian, because that's where we used to stay on rugby trips. I forget the name of the other. Mm. But, like, it's an... The great thing about Edinburgh, like, you can walk from Murrayfield 
after the rugby match back to your hotel mm-hmm. now only Dublin offers that yeah, you yeah. know in terms of closeness right. it's 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 like Dublin in terms of accessibility I think isn't it even easier? Because to get in from the airport is so simple. Like there's the double-decker bus for a fraction, but there's also this tram that will bring you straight into the centre, um, into, what is it? This, well, Waverley Station if you're going by train, but York Palace tram stop, which is or York Place tram stop, which is right on Princess Street, right in the in the core of everything. Um, so yeah. Princess Street's a great walk now. Start exactly. at one end and walk down. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, sort of shopping, well, good leading interesting shopping places. But let's say, okay, we start, I suppose, in what is the kernel of Scotland, Edinburgh Castle sitting on top of Castle Rock. If When you think of, of Edinburgh, you need to think of it. It's seven hills. It's basically uh, a, set, a set of network of medieval narrow closes and winds, which is the name of the, the sort of the winding little lanes they have. Um, w- you know, uh, all going down from the skirts of Edinburgh Castle and then up to whatever the next uh, hill is and within these beautiful Victorian squares sort of set in the midst of them. So Edinburgh Castle was like the centre point for, you know, since the 12th century. Like when you see the fortress walls, it's worth, it's expensive to go inside. It's going to cost £16 sterling, like to over €20. Euros. But to go inside and see like the Great Hall, the Royal Palace and then the St. Margaret's Chapel, which is the oldest building in Edinburgh, the 12th century building, you get a sense that this has been a centre of the chiefs, of the clans, of the tribal um, lords of this area for so long. And right on the far um, end of Royal Mile. So as I said, the Royal Mile extends and you need to walk it a few times to get a sense of it. And then to walk down, as I say, the different winds and the closes that that reach out on both sides of it. Between Edinburgh Castle and then Holyrood Palace, now the Queen's residence, but originally the home of Mary, Queen of Scots, um, is the Scottish Parliament. Brand new building built in 1904, opened in 1904. No, sorry, in 2004, 2005, when, when they got their independence. And it's divided. I don't know if you've seen it. It's this concrete monstrosity built by this Catalan architect who's dead since, Morales, who believed he could create a work of art out of concrete. And it's all about this idea of democracy. And so some of the walls are off off weird, weird-shaped panels and like oblong windows, which are suggesting pulling back the curtains and, and, and um, unveiling what's inside. And if you're interested in new modern architecture and shapes, it's worth, you enter this really dull, cave-like, dark hollow into the main reception. The idea is because right above that is this glorious light-filled dome, which was the dome of democracy. It's where the the the, the, the MPs meet, um, the MPSs meet. And uh, this is all about trying to humble them with the glory of the democracy they're trying to uphold. And it's looking straight out onto Carlton Hill. Now, so we've mentioned... We've mentioned um, the, that the castle is on Castle Rock, okay, one hill. Then opposite it is sort of, it's, it, which is Castle Rock is a, is a, geol, a, a volcanic outcrop. Beside it is, um, is, is Carlton Hill, which is another volcanic hill. And on top of that, um, so right in the, I don't know, when you were talking about Palace, I don't know which hotel you were talking about, but on, like, on Palace Street, there's the, the Glass House Hotel now, which is right in the cart there. That, might, that wasn't the one you were referring to, was no, it? No, Caledonia, but they've all changed. They I'm have. going back a long yeah. way. But Carlton Hill uh, is just sort of just above Palace um, Street, and it's just this phenomenal range of, of, of sort of old 19th century stone monuments. The National Monument, which was built, the idea was they were going to create, recreate a Parthenon 
because this was the Athens of the North was how they envisaged. And then in the early 19th century, they're, they're Edinburgh. Uh, unfortunately, it, it fell, you know, it, it, it never was finished. So it's basically 12 columns. But beside it then is Nelson's Monument. And the reason to go up these is, well, first, right in the centre, you can have a breather, but you get these amazing looks down on um, the, the, sort of down on the kingdom of, of Fife be, below it, down onto the, the, the sort of wonderful Victorian uh, palaces, and then over to... Uh, Arthur Seat, which is the tallest of these hills that that um, Edinburgh is built on. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's worth going up to those to the sort of national monument and to this this other one, the um, Nelson's monument, which is actually built to replicate his eyeglass, the Vice Admiral's eyeglass, and his um, death, his both glorious winning in Trafalgar, and also his death. So on your way down from Carlton Hill, so we're still on the, we're still basically almost on the nor- on the Royal Mile. Okay, on your way down, we've just taken a detour up Carlton Hill so we can get a view from the top. On your way down again is the Gardener's Cottage. So there's the Royal Terrace Gardens. Wherever you're going, you're going Palace Street Gardens, Royal Terrace Gardens. Um, this was laid out. I mean, a lot of medieval Edinburgh was destroyed to lay out these lovely 19th century gardens. But it does give you a great sense of uh, of sort of ease uh, of trees and greenness away from, from all that sort of chaos of the buildings. Um, so on the way down is this this gardener's cottage, which uh, the original gardener's cottage, but it's been converted into the coolest cafe ever. I've never seen this before. You know the way you have music or music in a restaurant? Here, the waiters all have a record player just inside the door, and they take turns to put on different records, and you can have choices of what record you want, which is just a lovely, quirky thing. And they're serving, it's all local food, so it'll be crowdy, which is the traditional uh, cheese of the area, or like fresh forest beets and, and, and um, fermented fermented sort of chards and things. Scotland is getting serious into its food, all local food, all grown in high altitudes, not looking to import like Mediterranean tastes. I'll get into more of that in a, in a, in a, in a moment. But let's say we're still on this Royal Mile, we're still going up and down. The original tourist site of the area was the Camera Obscura, you know Camera Obscura, they recreate them sometimes in Georgian houses in Ireland. It's this idea, it was the first um, camera, sort of, you put a pinhead in a wall and you allow light go through it and through a process of refraction, it then becomes mirrored on the far wall. So this, basically it's a big dark room, a big dark room with a with a, a series of lenses um, and then this concave dishes and it'll replicate a photo upside down of what's ever happening on the Royal Mile, the people passing by in black and white on a dish. So it's like it's a 19th century uh, interesting um, sort of, yeah, a, a, a quirk of light. But it's worth going to see. Kids kids adore it. It's like, it is very non-high tech. But, but you've got now, around here, you've got the National Museum, National Gallery. Mm-hmm. You've got all that kind of good stuff. But what I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, my memory, and I'm going back, but my memory always in Princess Street was the Scott Monument. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like it says, you said, there's so many things different, like commemorating different people. This is commemorating Sir Walter Scott. And again, you then you don't even need to go up a hill. It's still you're still going to get a great view from the top. It's a Gothic tower built in 1840, 287 steps up. They've, I mean, they managed to keep so many. Well, I suppose they didn't have the IRA building blowing up their their their, their monuments. They're tall. Um, but it's just a great way to get a view overlooking the city. It's right on Princess Street Gardens. Um, and I I think it's it's one of the must things you do. Yeah, I mean when you're there because uh, yeah, it like it. This was the it, these are such Victorian observations. It was all it, you know the Victorian way of seeing a city was either having going to some sort of gimmicky light thing or or having a view from a top, um, a sort of a high a high altitude to uh, as an experience. 
Now, when I talk about these parks, you you know, you've, I presume you've been up to Arthur's seat. Normally, one has drunk yeah. so many whiskies and eaten so much haggis and and scoffed so much shortbread. The the fact that you can go for a stroll in a, in a the, the fact that you can get into what looks to us like the Highland Moors, like the, is you know so near, just a few blocks from the centre, is phenomenal. And so the main area is called Holyrood Park, and it was the original hunting grounds of the Scottish monarchs. Perfectly preserved. No, this is Hollywood rather than Hollywood. 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 Yeah, yeah. Hollywood. Moncon McGann uh, is with me with Tuesday Travel, and my only role, of course, is to correct him periodically uh, <laughs> when he uses strange words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing I have to say mm-hmm. when you're in Edinburgh for more than a few days, you get a great inflection of Scottish accents Mm -hmm. that vary because Edinburgh is a bit like Dublin. It's very hierarchical uh, in its snobbery, you know, and where people live and where people go to school in Edinburgh is a great determining factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is, as I say, it's been a major and rich centre of chiefs and clans for so long. Um. And the fact that, you know, you get that sense, right, if you're seeing, as I said, the Hollywood Park, 260 acre hectares of, of crags, of locks and moorland, that you're getting to see, this is what, this was why when they were sort of lords of glens and valleys, this is what, this is, this is, these are the glens and valleys. You'll see a great selection of all those heathers and those rare plants from the highlands in the, in the Botanic Gardens, but much better get a train and go out into the highlands rather, rather than seeing them. But uh, Edinburgh, uh, you see, you talked kind of just passively about whiskey. Mm-hmm. Scotland have done a much greater marketing job on their whiskey, I always think, mm-hmm. than we have. Yeah, yeah. You know, the way they talk about a wee dram mm-hmm. and all that sort yeah, of stuff, yeah. no? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have, arguably, we have far finer whiskey, but we haven't bothered to, as you say, to promote it and develop it like they have. They will always have experiences. They will have wonderful tasting experiences, which, to be fair, are coming into Ireland in the last five years, and we've covered quite a few of them on this programme but yeah so there is a Scotch whisky experience it's in an old schoolhouse and the idea is to try to educate people about that whole process from the bare barley grains to what ends up in the bottle and the difference of different blends and all that sort of stuff so the Scottish whisky experience has the world's greatest collection of malts now the basic ticket price is only going to get you to look to look at the bottles and to you know to see the whole demonstrations of the of the process of of distillation. But if you pay a bit more, you're going to be able to taste some of these drinks. And you pay a bit more again, you taste the really rare thirty year old uh, vintages and with sort of local food with them and the pairings of food. It's worth. But but you mentioned I'd like you to talk about food here mm-hmm. because even then, all those years ago, Edinburgh was quite a food experience. Mm-hmm. But I always thought that. Haggis really was a sort of fictional menu item, but in fact, it really is exist and it's coming back on the menu because now with all like in Ireland like we're using sweetmeats and sort of puddings again. This sort of um, offal based food is coming back again, so it is still a food. It's just Scotland. It's impossible to under to underestimate the food revolution that's happening in Sligo. Oh, sorry, in Scotland in the last decade. And Ireland is only starting like on this same road. So it's all about seasonal food. It's all about what grows in northern um, 
realms. So it's all about, you know, chards and rough cabbages and potatoes and beetroot and heavy. A bit, you know, we've talked a lot about, a lot about Noma as well, how, you know, in Scandinavian countries have all got into championing the few berries and, and vegetables and, and raw meats that will grow up there. So there's a great place, Edinburgh is, Edinburgh is larder. They have a place on the Royal Mile, a cafe, and then a bistro in the West End. And they're all about whatever is in season. So, in, you know, it'll be a totally different menu, spring, summer and autumn. And then they bottle and preserve and pickle things for use in winter. But not only that, they're constantly running these workshops um, to teach people how to collect fungi or how to forage in the city. What are all the berries and the fruits you're going to get in autumn? So if you are going there this autumn, it's one, it's, it'd be worth to check out the Edinburgh Larder website and see, would you do a food tour of Edinburgh where you actually collect your dinner by going around the back wines and close. Do you know what I did this weekend? Well, oh. I didn't really, but I was kind of privy to it. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, last weekend, I mean, not this weekend, mm. last weekend, my my granddaughter, Emily, her mother and Ingrid went picking blackberries oh. and then Ingrid made blackberry jam. Mm. And I had forgotten how wonderful it was when made at home See? as opposed to bought in a jar. Totally without doubt. And what did I do this week? I spent the week nursing my bees and my pigs that came last week. I was, they were, I was watching them collecting up my honey that's going to do me very bees well. Bees and pigs? Yeah, bees and pigs. I don't own the pigs. The pigs I'm just loaning. And the bees, I'm gonna, not going to take their honey from them. I'm going to leave it. Anyway. What do you mean you're not going to take the honey? That's the whole purpose it's of having It's their honey. Though. They made it so they can get through the winter. I'm not going to rob their honey. It's their honey. I'll buy honey. Anyway, so it's... There the, are two left Other places Mongo. I want... There's a great pal of mine called Nile Ringrose down in Black Rock. Uh-huh. And I want to publicly thank him. He sent me two jars of his new season honey uh, just uh, last week he in the post. He their honey supplies. No, yeah, well, he has bees, <laughs> yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And so you can find him in Black Rock, Nile Ringrose. Tell okay. him George Centre. Mm-hmm. So yeah, another few food places. It's all it's all based on the same thing. It's whatever is local. Um, Earthy is this. Uh, they have three different shops in Edinburgh. They ha- stock produce, local produce of over a hundred producers. So there's a hundred producers just around Edinburgh that are creating rare cheeses on tiny organic farms. They're having little farms. This was this wonderful vegetable producer, Fantasia Vegetable, who's got like it's just you know five acres, but then they're being turned by their pigs, by their Gloucester and Berkshire pigs. So it's all gone back. They're like really into this high-end, simple, local local food. Um, hazel, or it's pronounced A-I-Z-L-E, Hazel, is this thing that their menu changes entirely based on what's in season. So you, they, there is no menu. It'll just be ingredients that they've happened to get really fresh that week and then you eat, uh, you don't choose the menu. It's a £45 tasting menu that you're eating what's in season in that locality. So this is, you know, because Scotland, to be fair, was about, you know, people think of battered, battered Mars bars and heavy sausages and chips. They really are um, educating themselves. In terms of great pubs, the Darlick on Market Street has 50 different single malts and local beers. Local beers. You know Ireland has got into these home brews and micro brews and IPAs. Scotland is legions ahead of them. Really? Um, yeah, we've so much to I learn. was talking to a couple of fellas last week. I'm, just, I'm going to talk to them again. Mm-hmm. They've set up uh, craft distilling. Oh, yeah. And they're selling it like mad to the Japanese and the Americans and all sorts You see Teeling's now in Dublin 8 and then Dingle. I mean, Dingle's vodka and Dingle's gin is a revelation that they're making just uh, outside the town of Dingle. Yeah, really? This, oh, Dingle yeah. gin? Oh, you should taste it. You know, the, the famous word they're all using, the botanics. So the different tastes. You can taste heather and juniper and gorse. Like, 
you know, ah, oh, it'll blow your mind. You've got to try to dingle gin. Uh, yeah, because I, I um, gin and tonic puts me to sleep. So okay. if I ever want a good night's sleep, uh-huh. I make a very large gin and tonic and I'm unconscious within minutes. <laughs> the dingle gin will cost you 35 euros. Hey, we're talking about Edinburgh. I'm not going to dingle gin. Um, hotels. I can name three good hotels for you. The Art Rock Hostel, which isn't for you, but it's for other younger listeners who might be interested. Uh, it's in Glass Market and uh, one of these modern new hotel uh, hostels but in a sort of comfortable gothic feeling place 10 euros for a bed or uh, 55 pounds for a private room which is fine glasshouse hotel um which is it's you know just says that it is a glass house but built behind the facade of this 160 year old lady glanorchy church uh, and it's right between Waverley Station, if you choose to come arrive by train up from London. Now, f- only four and a half hours from London on a train. But between there and this York Place tram stop, which is the main tram stop when you come in from the tram at the airport. Do you know what I would do? Go on. I'd take a train from Edinburgh to London or London to Edinburgh. I think the train experience mm-hmm. is hugely underestimated. Yeah, yeah. And it was such a great experience, like in the past, when trains were the main mode of travel. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd find it really interesting, that four and a half hours, because, like, presumably, well, eventually you get to Carlisle anyway, which mm-hmm. used to be the great junction, you know. But you go to York, so you can stop over in the beautiful architecture of York. You go to Newcastle, so you get a totally different feel, industrial feel of Newcastle. You can go on the local train, which I can't remember, was it Scott East or something? But it would be much more interesting, it was more civilised to take the Scott Rail Caledonian sleeper and do it in style. Well, sleeping, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a fellow wakes you for breakfast and everything. All right, uh, it's uh, Tuesday at Travel with Moncon McGann, where... <coughs> You'll find the podcast on Newstalk.com. We're in Inchidani next week. And uh, I thought it'd be a really good idea if we sort of did the area, of course, uh, particularly Clannacilty, such a great place. And we might do that next week. My thanks to Mongon and for you for listening. 53106, the number for your messages to us.